it's passing away. Keep yourself from idols. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So follow me, follow me, follow wherever I go. If any man would come after me, let him turn around, deny himself, drop his plans, and take up his cross. And follow me, follow me, follow wherever I go. Repeat it again. Who said this? Jesus said this, right? I'm not talking to you. Jesus is talking to you, right? If any man come after me, let him turn around, deny himself, drop his plans, and take up his cross. And follow me, follow me, follow wherever I go. Come unto me, you weary and worn. Take my yoke upon you. You will find rest deep down in your soul. So follow me, follow me, follow wherever I go. I think you know. That I love you so, so come along and follow me. Yeah, so come along and follow me. Da, 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 da. Eight notes all the way through there. Okay. I think you know that I love you so, so come along and follow me. I think you know that I love you so, so come along and follow me. I think you know. I love you so, so come along, come along, come along and follow me. Alright, very good, very good. Now, uh, yeah, we're doing this stuff about the height and the depth and the length and the width. And uh, in order to see these things, we've got to lift our vision a little higher. You know, usually our vision is about right there, right? Because we're looking at our iPhone all day, right? <laughs> and so when you grow up, get your driver's license, you're going to drive like this, looking at your steering wheel. <laughs> I don't see a good future for that. <laughs> anyway, have we ever sung this here before? I don't know. Some of you know. So it goes like this. Lift your vision higher, soaring skyward. Resurrection fly. Gotta do that. Potter's hand with mercy's force. Sense the Spirit's holy flame within. Lift your vision higher, 
something like this. There's a mystery of love surrounding you. Changing, rearranging the things you do. Do you know his deep love? Not the kind the world talks about. Diving Love is deeper than your broken heart. Then we go to the next mystery, okay? Yeah, don't turn there yet. All right, you ready? There's a mystery of love surrounding you, changing, rearranging the things you do. Not the kind the world talks about. Diving deep in his love. His love is deeper than your broken heart. 
tremendous thought. Help us, Lord, to find that kind of ground and enter into your will for us. We gather tonight around your word. Now help us understand the ins and outs, the nuts and bolts of your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Oh, that's good. Ah, comprehending the dimensions. The fourth dimensional comprehending with a big question mark. What are we comprehending? Ah, that's a question. Let's open our Bibles, everybody. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. We'll read the familiar verses. Ephesians 3, 
going to take you through a little Bible study course tonight. You'll see what I mean. And tomorrow night we'll talk more about the dimensions, having discovered what they are tonight. In Ephesians 3.14, we come to our prayer of Paul's, the second prayer in his uh, epistle. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. This is something auspicious. From whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Okay, so I'm, now we're cooked up. All right, <laughs> all right, filled up the fullness of God. What are you guys, crazy or something? That's a crazy request. I want to be filled up to all the fullness of God. You know what you're talking about? Okay, here you go. Now, you know, uh, we have two meetings here in New York, this one here in Flushing, and also one in Manhattan. Manhattan, we meet in an apartment, because it's a pretty small group. But we have the largest baptismal pool, in, perhaps in the world, the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> so whenever somebody gets baptized, we take them down to Coney Island, and the other day we go right out to the ocean, we plunge somebody down, we keep them under through two or three waves. <laughs> Finally, we let them back up, and boy, they know they've been saved. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, if you want to be filled up to all the fullness of God, it's like us taking a pail, a little bucket. You know, I have a little bucket and a little shovel. Look at that little bucket and a shovel. <laughs> and you go down to the ocean and fill it up. Hey, how much are you going to fill up? You going to drain the ocean dry? Now let's see. Oh, it's already full. Ooh, there's a lot more. How's your little bucket going to be filled to the fullness of God? And as Lucio said last night, you, you can't be full if you're uh, your empty water. Are you an empty water jug? Was that what it was? An empty vessel, empty water pot, he said. He called you all empty water pots. And then he said, listen, and you got sand in there. you got to get the sand out. So, you know, a lot of you, in your personal pail, that is your little backpack, whatever you got, you got a lot of stuff in there, right? How are you going to fill it up with God? And what do you got in there? A Red Bull for tonight? You got your iPhone, right? Got some cosmetics. Got your My List of the Perfect Husband. And a list of 96 things you expect. <laughs> you got a whole sack full of stuff. And here we're saying we want to be filled up to all the fullness of God. But you know what? <laughs> That's exactly what Paul says. That you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. That's an amazing, amazing statement. Uh, and you can see from the song that we sang, that I'm, tonight I'm emphasizing the dimensions. The dimensions. What does that mean? The breadth, the length, the height, and the depth. Four dimensions. You got it? Okay. But before we can comprehend, we first need to know what Paul is talking about. 
Now you can just tell what Paul's talking about is something big. Because if you look around in this passage, it's like in, in chapter 3, verse 3 and 4, it talks about the mystery. In chapter 3, verse 8, it talks about the unfathomable riches. In 3.10, he talks about the manifold wisdom. In 3.11, he talks about the eternal purpose. In 3.19, he talks about surpasses knowledge. In 3.20, he talks about exceeding abundantly. Whoa, man, this is big stuff. We're trying to comprehend something that's truly huge. Now, ladies and gentlemen, here's my problem. Almost universally, this passage is interpreted thusly. That we may know the breadth and length and height and depth of the love of God. Right? How high and how wide. How deep and how long. We're talking about Jesus' love. Now here, definitely, Paul says there in the next verse, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge so that this is something fantastic, the love of God. But the interpretation of many songs and many preachers, and in fact, I believe the Mandarin just goes right to the four dimensions and makes it the love of God. Here's the one problem. It's not really what it's talking about. Now, if you want to talk about the dimensions of the love of God, then just sing my song. There's a mystery of God. Oh, how high is love. You know, so his, his love is high, as deep, as wide, as long. I, I agree. But I want to take a look at what this uh, uh, thing really says and to see what it really means and what these four dimensions is referring to. That's our challenge for tonight. Okay? Now, I've kind of done this in a, in a thing. So I, I made... Uh, some notes, if you care to follow them. But it'd be good if you understand what we're doing tonight. So here's my notes. The five discoveries that lead to the answer of what comprehending the dimensions is all about. Number one. BLHD. What is that? Breadth, length, height, and depth. Okay. BLHD. These are adjectives. Right? The breadth, the length, the height, the depth. And there must be an object. But if you notice in the verse 18, it actually doesn't give a, an object to those adjectives. So it's the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth. Maybe Paul ran out of ink. But no, then it says, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge. So, number one, we need to know what that description is all about. There's, there's something lurking in here somewhere. Uh, that we should be able to find what these dimensions are all about. Right? Number two. Ah, yeah. Uh, now, you see, I've got verses quoted here, so you don't have to write all that down. I see somebody going, <laughs> just put Ephesians 3.18. Okay, here we go. Number two. The little conjunction and is a key at the beginning of verse 319. So you see, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. Now, 
There's two words in Greek for and. Kai, which Paul uses almost all the time, and te, T-E. You see those there? And kai is used when you're connecting similar things. So I'm connecting uh, uh, oranges and apples and bananas. I had oranges and apples and bananas. Or, as it says in verse 18, what is the breadth and, that's kai, length, kai, and height, and depth. It's connecting similar things. You see that? But when we get to 319, suddenly he uses te, which is not the usual word he uses because he's trying to say something. Te also means and, but it connects two things separately. So it says and then. So the first chi is and also. So the breadth and also the length and also the height and also the depth. And then to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. So now this te is connecting another separate thought. So the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge is a separate thought from the dimensions that are left unfinished up above. And so we still have to explore what this possibly could mean. Okay? So these dimensions are talking about something. And then the next thought is to know the love of God that surpasses knowledge. Are you with me so far? All right. I get to number three. Okay. Paul frequently uses an ellipsis. Now, an ellipsis is like a skateboard. <laughs> you know what an ellipsis is? Because Paul does it all the time when he's writing. Here's what an ellipsis is. I know this is gr grammar. How many of you like grammar in school? Yeah, nobody's raising your hand. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, there we go. One person. Uh, good. Uh, okay. So, here's an ellipsis, number one. The interruption in a sentence, leaving an incomplete thought, later returned to, usually. And usually marked by dash. Right? And so I was saying dash, and by the way, and then you say something else. That's an ellipsis. You, 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 there's an incomplete thought here, and you hold that thought and you say something, and then you get back to the thought eventually. Right? Now, we notice this phrase at the start of Paul's prayer in 3.14. For this reason. Now, why is he saying that? He's saying he is now praying because of something he just said. He just said something, and for this reason, I am praying. But it doesn't make sense if you try to connect it to the previous verse. Here is the previous verse, Ephesians 3.13. Therefore, I ask you not to lose heart at my tribulations on your behalf, for they are for your glory. For this reason, I, Paul, see, it doesn't make sense. He's not getting ready to bow down the knees because, because he's in prison. He is praying about something for them. And so, therefore, I, so when we, then when we go back further, this is the key. Aha! Wouldn't you know Paul says back in Ephesians 3.1, for this reason. Now, Paul, and, and I'll explain in a minute, but just stay with me. In verse 1, Paul meant to say, for this reason, I, Paul, bow my knee before the Father. But he describes himself for a moment. The prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles. And then, 
verses 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, for those next 12 or 11 verses, what he does is explain his ministry as a steward of the mystery. Now, it's a wonderful sidetrack, but he's just gotten off the point. And he's talking about his ministry to the Gentiles and to explain the mysteries of the fact that the Gentiles are co-heirs with the Jews. And he goes into a whole thing there for 12 verses. But meanwhile, the dash is still there. He's made the ellipsis. Uh, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, and an ellipsis has taken uh, hold there. And then he begins to talk about his stewardship. So he's praying about something that must have been said before chapter 3. So the direct object of the dimensions in chapter 3 is basically what? Oh, we haven't got four yet. I'm sorry. Right, here we go. It's four. Now, we got to figure out what he was referring to back in chapters before chapter 3 that he says, for this reason I'm now praying. Right? And the direct object of the dimensions in chapter 3, is the whole humongous spiritual entity revealed in Ephesians chapter 1 and 2. Now, that's huge, as Bernie Sanders says. Huge. It's humongous. And for this reason, I bow my knee before the Father. Now, let's, <coughs> let's look at what he is talking about. I mean, there's so much said in chapters 1 and 2. But I'm just breaking it down to something simple. Number one. In chapter one, Paul reveals the mystery of the largeness of Christ. You thought he was a man. You thought he was a savior. But he's so, so much more. Listen to Ephesians 1, 9 and 10. God made known to us the mystery of his will according to his kind intention, which he purposed in him, with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ. Things in the heavens, things on the earth, summed up in Christ. Okay, now listen. As we go through the New Testament, the revelation of who Christ is exponentially grows as the Holy Spirit reveals more and more of who Christ is. Back when Mark wrote his gospel, he wrote his gospel and took it back to the beginning of Jesus' ministry. You know, Mark chapter 1 opens up with Jesus being baptized by John the Baptist and he begins his ministry. And he shows that Jesus was the servant of God, the Messiah and the Savior. Praise God. Then Matthew came along and says, hold it, hold it. You can't use your iPhone. You need to use uh, a Pentax camera. Because Christ is wider than Mark's version. Because Matthew says, you've got to take Jesus all the way back to Abraham. Because Jesus came as the kingdom of the kingdom of Israel. And Abraham is where it all started. And so, you know, Matthew, how does it open? With the genealogy of Jesus beginning from Abraham. Well, wait a minute. Then Luke came along and says, hold it, hold it. You're going to have to have one of those sort of panoramic cameras. I don't know. Who, who makes those? I don't know. You've got to have that thing so you can see the whole Grand Canyon. Because Luke says, 
Jesus is bigger than you were thinking. Jesus goes all the way back to Adam. He is the first man. He is the last Adam. He is the savior of mankind. He is the perfect man. And it goes all the way back to God's creation of Adam. Move the cameras back. Now they're moving cameras back all the way to New Jersey. Just to try to get a shot at Jesus. Because he's gotten so big. And then Johnny wrote his gospel. Now Johnny waited a long time. Because he used to go to young people's conferences like this. And he didn't say much. But when he got older, he wrote a gospel. Whoa, doggy. We got to go out to that observatory out there in Hawaii and get that helium telescope thing so we can see the cosmic dimensions of Christ. Why, in the beginning was the Logos and the Logos was God. The Logos was God and everything was created. You mean everything was created through Christ? This man who walked and died on the cross and saved my soul, this guy created the heaven and the earth? Move those cameras back. Your iPhone won't take it in. It's too much. It's too wide. And then Paul writes. He says, no, no, no. Listen. In the beginning, that's John. I'm telling you, before the foundation of the world, and he pulls Christ back into eternity, move the camera back. Where's the telescope? Where's it big enough? And if you know, if you've read the, God, the, the book of Colossians, it's two sections. Chapters one and two. The macrocosmic Christ. Christ who created all the world and in him all things hold together. And in chapter 3 following, the microcosmic Christ. Why? Wow, you've got to look at him with an observatory telescope and you've got to look at him with an electron microscope. He's macro, microcosmic. This Christ. Now, so the first part of this dimensions that Paul would have his Ephesian brethren enter into is the size of Christ. How large is your Christ? This is something that the Holy Spirit specifically, Jesus says, and I will send the Spirit of truth who will tell you everything about me and bring you into all the truth. So now your brain should be expanding until you have a headache. Because Christ gets bigger and bigger and bigger and that's what Paul wants you to see. As, you, as we read there in Ephesians 1, 9, and 10, Christ is the center of God's universe. All things are going to be summed up in Him. What does that mean? It means that all those Gentiles saved are going to be under His headship. All the Jews who see Him as Messiah under His headship. All the trees recovered and restored under His headship. All the animals under his headship. All the kingdoms under his headship. He is going to head up all things, things in heaven and things on earth. How big is that Christ? And you see, Paul believes that if you can see a bigger Christ, it will make you a bigger person. If you see a small Christ, then you treat him like a small Christ. If you see how big he is, you fall down on your knees because of his greatness, because of his largeness, because of his dimensions. And so he wants you to see these dimensions. The Holy Spirit's gathering everything under Christ. You know what? When God's eternal purpose is done, nothing that doesn't believe in Christ will be left. Everything outside of Christ, everything that's not under Christ, gone. 
And this world will understand an eternity where everything comes from the throne of God and Jesus Christ. He has tremendous, a tremendous size. But that's just chapter 1. Now, chapter 2, basically, he shares that the largeness of Christ is extended further to include his body, the church, in one humongous organic union. Now, I, I know, see, we're talking big words. And I see some of you are falling asleep already. It's probably because of the games you played this afternoon. It's okay. Try to listen to this. If you have your Bible open, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 22 to 23. Here is a connection that's made after showing in chapter 1 how big Christ is. The bigness of His calling. The bigness of His glory. The bigness of His riches. The bigness of His power. And Paul says this. This is transition into chapter 2. He put all things in subjection under Christ's feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body. The fullness of him who fills all in all. Wait a minute. What does it say there? Jesus fills all in all. But you are his fullness. And now in chapter 2, what he is saying is this. How big is Christ? How big is the Christ. Now, Paul had an interesting phrase which he used sometimes. Sometimes he just used the name Christ, meaning Messiah. Sometimes he used the word the Christ. Ho Christos. And when he used the word the in front of it, sometimes what he meant was Christ plus his body all together. Now, how big is the Christ? Christ and his body, the church. All together. How big is that? Well, in Ephesians, uh, in Ephesians chapter two, he talks about just how big uh, this this new Christ is. He says, uh, first of all, it's everyone who's saved by grace. You know, the beginning of chapter two of Ephesians, we've been saved by grace. And then he talks about the Gentiles who were far away from God, brought near by the blood. And then he made both groups, Gentile and Jews, who believed in the Messiah, into one. And he broke down the wall between them and he made one new man. Now, how big is that one new man? Well, you and I are part of it. And so is everybody who believes in New Jersey and everybody who believes in California. We're all one new man. Now, can you get your hands around that? Can you get your mind around that? How big is this Christ? It's Christ in his body. And then in a summary statement in Ephesians chapter 2. Are we still there? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, he says this. Oh, you don't have it. Anyway, if you look in the scriptures, here's what he says in, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. Oh, that's right. I have to change the next thing. Anyway, ah. The object of the dimensions in chapter 3 is the whole humongous spiritual entity revealed in Ephesians 1 and 2. Here's the summary of the humongous vision of Christ and his body. Now look at this. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but are fellow citizens. What does that mean? He's talking about the kingdom. This is how big uh, this, this thing is he's talking about. It's as big as the kingdom. And Gentiles and Jews are fellow citizens in that kingdom. 
and you are of God's household. So now he's talking about the household of God. God's family as a whole. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, is growing into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. This spiritual dwelling where God dwells, how big is that? So you have Christ connected as the head with the body, and there is a living organism. It's humongous. And Paul wants it to see the dimensions of that huge, huge salvation miracle of God. Christ, His kingdom, His body, His house, His temple. All there, wrapped up. And so Paul, after he says these kind of things, we, we come to number five. Alright. I think that's the last one we got. Uh, no, there's more. But. So the dimensions that we're to comprehend are the size of Christ in union with His body, the church. Right? And then he says, now I just told you about how big Christ is. Now I just told you about how big the church is. See, the Jews thought the church was just Jewish people. They have to explain how much bigger it is. And I've explained that. How big it is. It's a holy temple. It's the spiritual house. It's as fellow citizens. And so he says, now, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. You see this whole thing. We are now a family. And our Father who gave us birth has named us Christ. Alright, comprende? This is the mystery to be comprehended. Now I say that and I've just told you the reality of it. But the fact of the matter is it's very hard to comprehend. As a matter of fact, I mean, I'm just being honest with you, we have to come to a certain amount of maturity to understand what we're talking about. You see, I know when we're young, we usually just think about ourselves and our little bunch of friends and whatever we got going on in a small way. But Paul wants us to think bigger because there's something tremendous going on. Now, in Ephesians, at the time Paul writes this, the Ephesian church really seemed to be popping. It was growing, it was living, it had vision, it had revelation. It was a tremendous church. There were some other churches near Ephesus that weren't going so good. They were smaller groups. They probably didn't have quite as much revelation, as much teaching and everything. And yet, Paul wanted them to see that we're all part of some large tapestry of something that God's doing. But to see this, he bows his knee before the Father. So, Paul is praying because it's very difficult to, to comprehend something so vast. Okay? So, here we see Paul is praying because it's very difficult to comprehend something. And you notice his prayers are different. I think uh, already uh, Lucio talked about this. But you know, back in chapter 1, Paul has a prayer. Let's listen to the prayer again. In Ephesians 1, verse 17 and 18. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory... I give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him. 
in the knowledge of Him. We need revelation and wisdom in the knowledge of Him, Jesus Christ. Who is He? How big is He? What has He done? What is His power? What is His authority? I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Praise God. So he says he wants the Father of glory to reveal Christ as he is now in his greatness. The greatness of his calling, that you may see the hope of his calling. The greatness of his uh, of riches. The, the, the greatness of his power toward us who believe. This is a humongous vision given freely by the grace of God. But you know what? It has to be revealed to you. You will only know a small Christ, an earthly Christ, unless the Holy Spirit opens your eyes and you see something of who Christ really is. You remember, it was, it was Paul, it's so clear about this, because Paul was on the road to Damascus and he was going to uh, some hassle some Christians and he saw a vision from heaven that knocked him off his horse and blinded him. But that vision was humongous, you see. And Paul wants us to enter into this larger dimension of who Christ is. As Christ stood over Paul in glory, Paul saw himself as very small. And he said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And he began to serve the Lord from that moment on. So Paul wants us to have that same kind of revelation by the Spirit. It's the Spirit that reveals to your heart. The Spirit enlightens, like he shines a light on your heart. You say, oh, I see how large Christ is now. It's wonderful to see. Now, in Ephesians chapter 3, the prayers change in a few significant ways. It's not for revelation. I see. It's for comprehension. I understand. Ah. So now, this is going further. It's one thing to see Christ in His magnificent dimensions. It's another thing to comprehend what all of this is about, what all of this is doing. I understand Oh, I see. I see what Dana's talking about. I understand. I comprehend. You see. Now, that's the prayer of chapter 3. That you might be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. See. So, this is more than a revelation of Christ himself. It's a comprehension of your place in Christ. In the greatness of his plan. Now, you may think yourself just as kind of a Christian. Just kind of isolated. There you are saved. But you don't get the whole picture yet until you understand that you fit into something much larger. Something that's is grabbing you. Something that's using you. Something that's calling you. There's larger kingdom purposes. God's eternal purposes. Some big things that the Lord wants you to grab hold of. And so that's what Paul's praying for here. You need to not only see Christ, but you need to see Christ in you. In the greatness of His plan. So there's two different things he prays the Holy Spirit may do. Okay, another page. Ah. Two different things he prays the Holy Spirit can do. And the first, he enlightens us by opening the eyes of our heart. And the second, he prays the Holy Spirit strengthen us in the inner man so we can comprehend the dimension. Now, so you, you understand something here. You cannot comprehend the dimensions of Christ's and his body, unless you've been strengthened in the inner man by the Holy Spirit. In chapter 1, he, the Holy Spirit has to reveal to you who Christ is. But in chapter 3, he's got to strengthen your insides so that you can understand, you see. And then these two prayers both draw upon the riches of God's glory 
and praise both times to the God of glory. The first is to see the glorious riches of our humongous dwelling place in Christ. The second is to be strengthened in the inner man with his riches so that Christ can dwell in our hearts. So the second one is further along. Now you not only see that you're in Christ, but you see the Holy Spirit building Christ in you. Strengthening your inner man so that Christ may dwell in your heart by faith. Now, does Christ dwell in your heart by faith? Maybe you're a young Christian. Does Christ dwell in your heart by faith? Yes. But just a little bit. Whatever the Holy Spirit has been able to build into your deepest part of your being, Christ goes and dwells there. But it has to be built. And our, our house, when we first get saved, is a bit of a mess. It, it, you need a gut rental. they got to tear out stuff and the Holy Spirit build in stuff so that you can see. Okay? And then, then Paul adds three more prerequisites in order to really comprehend Christ and his church. One, by the grace of God, you first must be firmly rooted in agape. That's the Greek word for love. You must be rooted in agape. So you've got to be planted in his love. So you stick your roots down in there in the love of God and starts to grow and you start growing by the love of God. This is something you've got to be planted. You can't comprehend unless you've been planted, you see. And the second thing is, by the grace of God, he must build a foundation of agape in you. So not only you are in agape, but agape is in you. So the love of God needs to be shed abroad in your hearts by the Holy Spirit. The love of God now needs to start working in you. First, you draw from the love of God all that need for forgiveness, all that need for His love. But then, His, his love comes down and has to build a foundation in you. That's so important. And then three, if we want to comprehend the dimensions, we can only do it when we're together. Humongous spiritual reality can only be viewed in the cosmic observatory together. Now, you understand that. How can we comprehend the breadth and length and height of death of Christ and his church if we're sitting by ourselves at home? No. But when we come together and uh, our sister Hadassah prays and somebody plays guitar and somebody leads a study, as we're doing that, you start to comprehend. You say, wow, you know what? That person's a lot different from me. But that person also has Christ in them. Now, you've just made Christ a little larger in your understanding, in your comprehension. If we could really know one another right now, or if all of us could really know totally one another, we would see something of the largeness of Christ. Every time you speak up for Christ, somebody sees a larger Christ. But we comprehend it together that you may comprehend with all the saints what is the length and the breadth and the height and the depth of Christ and his church. The Lord is building something so, so fantastic. But Paul doesn't want us to fall behind 
and remain selfish babies and not comprehend some of the dimensions of what God is doing. So then he just finishes up this little section. So then Paul finally heaps on to this humongous comprehension the incomprehensible love of Christ that surpasses understanding. So he says, I want you to comprehend the height, the depth, and width of Christ and also to know personally his love that surpasses knowledge. Now he's added a whole new thing. To know the love of Christ in all of its dimensions, in its height, and its width, its depth, its length. How much of Christ's love do you know? How much of Christ's love have you walked in? How many times have you prayed? Every time you've prayed to him, you've experienced something of the love of Christ. When you open the Bible, it speaks to you. You experience the love of Christ. Every time, it's building up. And you're seeing that the love of Christ surpasses my understanding. I don't understand why he loves me. I don't understand why he loves you. But I see these things. To know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge. So comprehending the dimensions and knowing intimately the incomprehensible love of Christ has a purpose. Now what happens if you comprehend the dimensions and you know the love of Christ? You may be filled up to all the fullness of God. So obviously God's not talking about you taking your pail, going down to the Atlantic Ocean and filling the whole ocean in your pail. But what he's saying is if you go through this process if you allow the Holy Spirit to lead you through this process, if you fellowship with the saints and pray and study and worship together with them, you will begin to comprehend a fuller picture of God. There's so many Christians have such a small idea who God is. They, they just don't understand how, how deep is His love for you. But the more we walk, the more we understand these things. We're filled up to all the fullness of God. Now, how can we possibly do it? It's impossible. It's impossible. And that's why E. Such a fullness can only come about because God has the power to do far more abundantly than anything we could ask or think. So, I mean, after Paul prays this prayer that the saints could come into a comprehension of the dimensions of Christ in his church, and that the saints could come to know intimately the love of God which surpasses knowledge, then he says, now, let me tell you how this is going to happen. Now to him who is able to do far abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us. So here we go. The wonderful truth is the Holy Spirit is working in you and working in you, strengthening that inner man increasing our understanding of Christ. And then Paul says that he will be glorified in the church. That's you. And in Christ Jesus. That's him. All together. So there he says, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now that's the message for tonight. Do you want to be filled up to the fullness of God. Then there's some homework that has to be done. There's some work that has to be done by the Spirit in your life. There is some founding work, some rooting work that needs to happen in your life. And you need to fellowship together with other saints. 
And the Lord begins to give us a greater awareness of his size, of his greatness. And as we're looking away at his greatness, his size, he starts working his Christ life in us in greater portion, filling us to the fullness of God. What, does, what was the initial picture you had in your mind when you hear filled up to the fullness of God? What, what did you picture? What's in your mind? That you would be filled with his character? Like his godliness? You become godly like Jesus? That's part of it. How about his knowledge? Is it possible to have the mind of Christ? To understand from the knowledge of Christ? Although we only know in part. Can we know something of the knowledge of Christ? Is that part of the fullness? How about the power? The power that Christ had when he walked on earth. Is that also a portion for us? Can we also know his power? Is that what you think of when you say to be filled up to all the fullness of God? Wow, it means power. It means while my teacher is teaching, I could say, in Jesus' name, be quiet. <laughs> teacher, stop talking. Jesus did the wind and the waves. What does it mean to you? Does it mean you can be omnipresent? Omnipotent? Well, it has to do with a deeper and deeper relationship to God through Jesus and relationship to brothers and sisters. I hope your awareness of the body of Christ is much wider than just the assembly that you attend. God is doing something tremendous on a worldwide scale and he wants us all to be part of it. But here is where it started. If you want to be filled with the fullness of God, then Paul is praying. Paul is praying. And what's his main prayer? If you can be strengthened by the Holy Spirit in the inner man, then the Spirit can build Christ into your heart and you can start being filled to the fullness of God. Now this is a goal, a lifelong goal for a Christian. But it starts when you come to Jesus by a revelation of the Holy Spirit and you say, I see that Jesus is my Savior. I see that Jesus is my Lord. I see that Jesus' death on the cross, even that we're acknowledging today on Good Friday, that this death on the cross was for me. See, there's a starting place. Has that place started in your life? Some of you are young, some of you are older. But the question is, this journey into fullness begins with a decision. As our brother said this morning, by faith... You say, I see Christ. I see Christ as my Savior. He died for me. So let's just have a prayer. Everybody bow your heads. Very thankful that you're here this weekend. Have a wonderful day ahead tomorrow. But as you're thinking about all these things, what do you think of Christ? If he's small, you can ignore him. If he's small, you can forget him. But if you see even the size of his love, if you see his great sacrifice for you, then he deserves your loyalty, your surrender to his life. One day, it will be fully exposed throughout the universe the cosmic dimensions of Christ our Lord. But right now he comes to you just as that one who died on the cross to save your soul. 
If you haven't received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this is where this whole venture begins. This is where you begin to see Christ in fuller and larger and greater ways. Don't think he's just the Jesus you learned in Sunday school and some stories. He's so much more than that. And he's yours to enter into. I want you to think about coming to Christ if you never have and saying, Jesus, be my Lord. Jesus, be my Savior. I see that you're big and that I'm small, that I'm nothing without you. I want to enter into your cosmic reality, into your life, into your salvation. If that's the prayer of your heart, then during this weekend, as you're praying in a group, as you're talking to some of the advisors here, you should talk to them and have them pray with you about accepting Jesus. Now, for those, some of you here, you've uh, accepted Jesus, you've been following Jesus, but you've gotten kind of static. And when you get static, a veil comes over who Christ is. You no longer see his largeness. Because when you see his largeness, immediately, grateful heart of thanksgiving breaks out of your heart. That breaks out in praise and worship. But when you don't see him, then you feel kind of semi-guilty and... Uh, like you're out of it. Lord, I pray by the work of the Holy Spirit that those who have been uh, sort of uh, ambling along would be convicted of their need to see the sweeping dimensions of God's plan for their lives. That they could enter into something richer and fuller and deeper and wider than they've known before. Do expand in all of our lives the understanding of how great Christ is and how great his purpose is for his church. We thank you that we can be together in this time, and fellowship on these things. Do bless us as we go to our places tonight, and then tomorrow as we meet again. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Meeting is not end, hasn't ended yet. May we sing about the message and let's have a response in prayer. God, many of us 
are in that static zone, and many of us have not accepted you yet, Lord. Pray that over the, the course of this conference that we may be able to get out of the static area and that uh, many of us will be able to receive you as a personal Savior, Lord. Pray this in Jesus' name. But we see you love in the church. Thank you. Praise your amazing grace in Jesus' name. Scriptures say that, Lord, your riches are unfathomable, Lord. Lord, You're so great, Lord, that not even Paul can comprehend, not even the Gospels can measure, Lord, the wideness, Lord. So, Lord, words can't describe how great you are, and yet still decide to dwell in our hearts, Lord. First, what a love, O oh Lord, who are we, Lord? Will we see, Lord, a fuller vision of you? We see how beautiful you are and how worthy you are of our lives. Lord, forgive us for thinking that we can that we can comprehend you. Forgive us for thinking that, Lord, we can contain you in our small imaginations and our small minds, but Lord, you are so incomprehensibly beautiful and glorious. We will just see a small glimpse of that, but all our hearts be captured by you, by that vision. Pray this in your name.
gotten comfortable with the small Christ that we know, that we've gotten comfortable with just coming on Sundays and doing our part of the, our part of the job, Lord, just showing up, Lord. But Lord, you are so much bigger than we can imagine, Lord. You are so much greater um, than we can um, think of, Lord. Even when we are gathered together, Lord, we're still in awe because you are humongous. Lord, thank you that you are working in us, Lord, that while this seems impossible, how can we possibly know your presence, Lord? But, Lord, you can do a lot more than we can ask, Lord. And, Lord, we... Lord, give us that desire to seek you, Lord, and to not be comfortable with what we know, but Lord, that you may open our eyes to see Lord, and reveal to us who you are, Lord, and help us to understand, and Lord, that we might live our lives, that there be fruit of our lives, Lord, that we would know you and just continue to grow, Lord. So Lord, we ask, Lord, help us to understand. Thank you, Lord. You are God's fullness, and you fill us even to make us your fullness. And, uh, Lord, we can't even comprehend um, that you would include us in your plan in this way. Thank you, Lord, for putting us together with other brothers and sisters in the body so that we can really um, see more and more how great you are, how vast you are. Yes who you are and, and how much love you have for us. We just thank you and worship you. Amen.
Lord, indeed, we are marvelous at your work. That it is out of your fullness you love us with a great love. That we consider the Father did not withhold his Son. And we remember our Lord Jesus, you paid the highest price. And we thank you that it is the Holy Spirit that with the power resurrected our Lord Jesus is also working within us. So Lord, today we can pray to you, say, Holy Spirit, open our eyes. Let open our eyes so that we can see how much we need you, how much we need you, Lord Jesus. And even open our eyes to see that how much we need our brothers and sisters. Lord, thank you that we want to pray that you strengthen us with your Holy Spirit inside us. And even we thank you that you have given us these words. We pray, Lord, may you translate them. May you write them into, the, into our hearts. So, Lord, these words, Lord, it's beyond our comprehension. But, Lord, we want to take it. We want to put it in our hearts. We want to hide it deeply in our hearts. We want to dwell in it. And Lord, we pray that by faith that we can take it. By faith we can say that for, in, for His fullness we have received grace upon grace. And Lord, even today, just here, we see a little glimpse of it that we are sitting here with our brothers and sisters. This is a testimony of you, that you are showing us the fullness of yourself. The Lord, we thank you so much. We thank you for this conference. And we pray that we will make ourselves available to you, to be filled by you, by yourself. We thank you and pray in your precious name. Um, we only have a um, simple announce request that later when you leave the meeting place, please be quiet, as, as quiet as possible. Um, uh, right now, uh, we will have snack in basement, and also we have announcement for housing um, for who came today with Kai, Kai Lin. So if um, if you don't know who is your your host is in your name tag, and okay, our sister Kylie will do better job here. Hi, can I get everyone's attention, please? This will take like five minutes. Okay, so if you look on your name tag, I believe it's underneath your group activity name. Um, there you should be able to see there's a name on it, and that is the name of your host family. Um, so the thing is, not all of the host families are here for now. Um, so what's going to happen is, for the host families who are here, I'm going to dismiss you guys first, and I think there are refreshments downstairs. So you'll meet with your host family, for the ones that are here, You'll go downstairs to get your refreshments, and then you are going to go, because <laughs> you have an early day tomorrow. Um, and for uh, the remainder of the um, and for the remainder of everyone who
has not met up with their whole family, once you go downstairs, uh, get your refreshments, come back up immediately so that once your host families arrive, you can meet with them and then you can go back. Staying with Sandy and Maurice. Sandy and Maurice are in the back. Uh, can Sandy and Maurice stand, please? <laughs> if you look on your name tag and you're staying with Sandy and Maurice, please meet with Sandy and Maurice. If you're also if you're staying with John John Wang and Ellen Hong, you're also leaving with Sandy and Maurice. Not me. Not oh, sorry. <laughs> you're leaving with Maurice. If you're staying with Caleb and Anna Lou, you can meet with uh, Uncle Caleb in the back. Angela and Jeffrey Cook, you will be leaving with Joel Lim. Downstairs and get refreshments, but please come back up as soon as possible to to meet with your whole family. Unless you're Stephen Stephen who you left your name tag in the bathroom, so just come back up to the front. And you want your name tag back, Stephen from Island, New York. Stephen who?
Whatever, you need to do edible. Edible, then you do. No, I do not eat edibles. Do not be. Hello? If can can the downstairs people hear me? If you don't have if you need housing and you don't have a housing assignment, please come back upstairs and meet me. have a housing assignment and you need one, please come back upstairs. Yeah. Okay. If you don't have a house, 
Sorry. If you don't have a housing assignment, please come back upstairs if you need one. Thank you.